Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. The only show dedicated to exploring the commercialization of great ideas and research across deep tech and science, driven by the ambition of the people that make up Australia's unique innovation landscape. We talk to the greatest minds about what is influencing their work and their insights into the ingredients needed to bring great Australian innovation to life. I'm James Riley from Innovation Oz. Welcome to the Commercial Disco. Today, we're talking to Vishal Salvi, the Global Chief Information and Security Officer, Senior Vice President and Head of Cybersecurity Practice for Infosys globally. Welcome, Vishal. Hey, hi, James. Thank you for having me here today. Well, look, there's obviously, there's always a lot going on in cybersecurity anyway, but particularly right now. I wanted to ask you one thing. Claire O'Neill addressed the National Press Club in Canberra, and she suggested an ambition for the nation that we become a top cybersecurity country by 2030. There's a few things that she kind of pointed out as challenges and opportunities in doing so. I'm just wondering, particularly around skills, what process would a country need to go through to consider themselves a top cybersecurity nation? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very important ambition to have, uh, James, in, especially in today's context, you know, where we're seeing a rapid change which is happening in terms of digitization, in terms of digital transformation. And in my mind, cybersecurity or digital security is going to be a very important foundation for us to be able to have a trustworthy and safe digital future. And it's not just about looking at how do we put all the different controls and safeguards, but it's also about playing with the emotions and the trust that your citizens and your employees and staff and basically all stakeholders play in overall adoption of technology and digital. So to have an ambition which is focused on building a cyber-aware and cyber-secure nation is a very important one for every organization and every nation in today's context. And I think when we talk about adoption, it is very important that we are able to democratize cybersecurity. And one important pillar of democratizing cybersecurity is about making people empowered with the necessary knowledge and skills and understanding their role and having the capability to execute that role. And so we know that currently we're facing a significant challenge in terms of demand and supply, where there's a huge demand for cybersecurity talent, and we don't have a pipeline you know, to support that demand. And so there is a clear strategy required in terms of how do we create that capacity. And it has to start with your educational system. It has to start when the children are very young understand the implications of cybersecurity. And I think it's also important that they know because they need to also start using technology in a way where they can not fall prey to various type of attacks that they can face while they're growing up. But more importantly, how do we create a path for them to you know, choose a cybersecurity career and how do we then enable them? I think it's very important. So it needs to be done at a primary education level. It needs to be done at a secondary education level. We need to have various vocations in terms of how do we get everybody skilled on that. But more importantly, the way we are looking at it is it's not about just the cybersecurity people getting trained, but actually every individual or any person who has some role to play in technology being empowered with the cybersecurity training so that we can democratize it. 
Okay, so uh, certainly no quick fixes there. That's a long-term game, isn't it? And it always has been. So, Vishal, I wonder if I can ask you about your role. You wear two very different hats, and I want to understand how you treat each one. So as Chief Information Security Officer for Infosys, you've obviously got 300,000-odd employees all over the globe, and you're looking after your, what I guess would be internal cyber issues, but also head of the cybersecurity practice, so looking after external clients. So how do those two roles differ and how do they feed into each other? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we've been sort of running this kind of a role for more than five years now at Infosys. And I think it's very simple. At the end of the day, what we are trying to do is to create cybersecurity as a mainstream topic within Infosys, as well as we aspire to do that with our customers. And it's a change, apart from being a technology issue, it's a change management issue. Now, I've been a cybersecurity practitioner all my life. I'm in a career CISO and, and worked in various industries. And so it's a very natural thing for me to not just focus on Infosys as an internal, but see how do we create that value and extend that value to our customers. So the whole idea is to really achieve and drive those best practices that we are able to achieve within Infosys and drive it to our customers. And then whatever we are learning when we work across the globe for various customers, how do we get it back? You know, how do we implement that at Infosys? And I think I'm privileged because, you know, we have a very talented and large team of passionate individuals, more than 6,000 employees working in both these areas. So we have a tremendous opportunity to create that value and extend that value and make world a safer place, right? So that's really our mission. How do we create a secure digital future for Infosys as well as our customers? And so in a way, you know, there are, a significant amount of synergies. But the advantage that we get because of this positioning is that we have a very strong empathy towards what our customer CISOs are going through on a day-in and day-out basis because I live that situation every single day. And so when we come with that position, I think th there is a proper connection. You know, that empathy gives us the connection with our client CISOs and therefore we are able to be more clear in terms of what is the problem that we are trying to solve for them. Okay. You're a, a global senior executive in cybersecurity, obviously looking at uh, all parts of the world, I guess, at all times. So I wanted to ask you some kind of megatrend questions, I suppose. 2022 has been a year of confrontation. It's been a year of competition or geostrategic competition. All of that has escalated. And I think we've seen an increase in sort of nefarious cyber activities as a result or along with so tell me, how has that geostrategic competition, the kind of fracturing of blocks, how has that influenced what's happening in the cyber world today? Can you give us a, a top-level description? James, fortunately, the cybersecurity world is, you know, more collaborative and generally trying to help each other. So, so wherever I've gone, you know, I, I have worked with CISOs across the globe. The general, you know, attitude is to help and share. I have been a banking CISO for a couple of decades. And while the banks compete, the CISOs always collaborate. I've seen the same thing and the same enthusiasm and same attitude even in Australian CISOs. So generally, I think the cybersecurity world is, A, first of all, deeply connected. It's because it's a small world, you know, most of us know each other. And I think the general aim is to help each other. Now, while you do that, we also know that cyber can be a weapon of strategic you know, nature for nation states. And so therefore, 
every country, every nation would have its own strategy to how they would want to have an offensive or a defensive strategy. But that's a different topic altogether. We know, for example, cyber strategy for any nation state is important because, you know, we still have a challenges of lack of attribution. They are low cost attack, you know, and they're more lethal and impactful. And so, you know, the advanced persistent threats have been around. But I think, you know, if you look at the corporate world, you look at the organizations in government organizations which are focusing on driving a clear strategy for cybersecurity implementation and uh, adoption within country as well as in organizations. What we have generally seen is that there is uh, intention as well as there is an execution strategy towards how do we collaborate and how do we work with each other because this problem cannot be solved if we keep on working in our silos. We need to you know work together. And I'll just give you one example before. You know, we can close this answer, which is cybersecurity is all about being sentient, you know, trying to really understand that first patient zero. And the moment we get it, how do we make sure we disseminate that information across the globe at the speed so that we get vaccinated? That's really what it is, right? And for that to happen, we need to create a system where we can collaborate, understand, disseminate and implement so tell me this, in this kind of new environment where there is a, such geostrategic competition, in that corporate world, has that influence made that cooperation faster and steadier or has it kind of upset the apple cart or does it depend on where you're looking? Well, I think, you know, as we have seen when the human mankind have uh, evolved, we've also seen societal issues, right? And so we always have uh, the crooks and the adversaries who always transition into the best strategy for them to commit crime, steal money, and basically create disruption to the society. 99.99% of the people are good and they want to do good things. It's only that small element of people who do that. So, so we will always have these antisocial elements which we have to deal with. And they're the ones who are creating all these challenges of attacks and breaches. And I think, you know, they are just looking at this opportunity, which is getting created because of the rapid adoption of an innovation in digital, which is creating a, a massive attack surface, right? And so that is what we're seeing is getting exploited. But like I said, you know, when we are looking at solving this problem, we need to remove the competitive element of this because, for example, every country needs to aspire to be the best cybersecurity country in the world. Yeah, everybody should be best. There should not be anyone which is second than the best. That's the only way we can solve this problem. Because if you, for example, have 10 countries which are top of the cybersecurity game and the rest of the world not, that risk is going to manifest back into these countries. So therefore, you need to be more collaborative and work together to solve this problem. Okay. Another issue that came up in that National Press Club address, and I know it's an ongoing discussion, but is around data localization. Certainly, it's an active discussion in this country and I guess in, in many others too. So, what's your view from a security perspective? Is data localization a strategy for improving cybersecurity or is it a misnomer that just adds friction to uh, digital economy initiatives? Yeah, I think, you know, data localization is not a new topic. It's been around for many years now, and every country has been building a clarity on what they want to do as far as, you know, data localization is concerned. Look, the way I see this is that it's basically every nation wants to have a control over its data. It can be your citizens' information. It could be information which is of, you know, national interest 
or whatever. And they don't want that to go in an uncontrolled manner into adversarial uh, nation states, especially in today's context when we have geopolitical conflicts. I think it's all the more important to have that sense of control. That's exactly what even organizations have been doing, right? In terms of deploying strategies for rights management and access control to ensure that even we have this notion of the perimeter getting disappeared, how do we ring fence your data and control your data? And so it's a natural thing that, you know, nation state actually expecting that control on that information. Now, whether you call it localization or whether you call it control, in my mind, it's still the same thing. And in a sense that if there is this notion that if you localize the data, then you have a better control over it. Now, in today's day and age, we have technology which can help you to achieve that, right? At a fundamental level, you can deploy strategies of encryption. You can deploy strategies of all the privacy controls that have been defined uh, by various regulations where you start putting, you need to just keep the data which is required and, you know, having a good purging strategy and so on and so forth. So in my mind, I think it's a right thing to do because every country would have a right to make sure that they want to exercise control over the data that is getting generated for their citizens and for their governments. Okay, I'm talking to Vishal Salvi, the global CISO for Infosys. Here's another mega trend question, I guess. 2023, what are you most concerned about from a global perspective or drill down into a a nation state level, if you like, what are you most concerned about and where are the opportunities in your business? Yeah, so one of the most important thing for us to understand is that cybersecurity risks are now mainstream and to a large extent, we've done ourselves a disservice by calling ourselves a cybersecurity unit because by doing so, the rest of the stakeholders think that there is magically the cybersecurity unit is going to solve your problem. Well, it's not. It is cybersecurity is every stakeholder's responsibility. And what I'm concerned is that, you know, that realization has not yet happened across our stakeholders. And so if it's the one message that I want to give through this conversation, James, it is that we need to democratize cybersecurity. Every single stakeholder needs to understand his or her accountability, responsibility towards cybersecurity. The other misnomer or misconception about cybersecurity is that it's rocket science. It is not. It's a very simple problem to understand and a solution to understand. It's a question of you embracing it, taking accountability ownership and trying to learn what needs to be done. So in a way, like I said, we need to democratize it We need to make sure every individual understand it. But like my concern is that that's not happening. And the other concern I have is that we tend to respond and react when a major event or incident happens. But for example, if let's say for next six months, there is no incident or a breach, we tend to actually go back to where we were prior to that breach and the heightened awareness diminishes and we go back to our good old ways of doing things. I think every breach or every attack is an opportunity for us to do an irreversible change, both in terms of culture as well as in terms of tech, so that we are able to learn and use that opportunity to make an irreversible change because it's a risk management topic and it is therefore not that easy to implement. So every opportunity should be used to make an irreversible change so that we can actually have a better future and a more secure future. 
Well, i got to say, Australia's had a couple of really big opportunities lately through an Optus breach and a, a Medibank breach. So we should be uh, front-footing our game right now. Look, we talked for many years about getting more technology skills on boards, and now we seem to be talking about getting more cybersecurity skills on board. I think we've had very mixed and not particularly good success in that regard in this country. I'm wondering, is that a trend you're seeing elsewhere, and is there a, a gold standard market in the world that has uh, those senior people on board with those skills? So, James, this is a problem in all parts of the world. You know, what we have seen in Australia is not unique to Australia. It has happened as well as happening in different parts of the globe. And I don't think there's any country which is a gold standard right now because none of the countries have been spared. But I do believe there is a gold standard and this problem can be solved. And it's also not something which is very difficult. It's just that we need to come together. We need to understand what is required to be done. And I've seen this for a long period of time. I thought that it was a hopeless job because, you know, it was an asymmetric warfare and, you know, it's very difficult to fix all the gaps and fix all the vulnerabilities and the bad guys only have to exploit just one of them and you know they will get in but i do believe that you know if you have a clear strategy in terms of what needs to happen you have a clear mandate from the leadership and the top who is focused on driving and interested in making sure that the teams are empowered to drive it you have the right capable and right skill set leadership as well as execution teams and then you have support from all your stakeholders right whether it's business teams whether it is your user groups, whether it is your law and enforcement, whether it's your third-party software vendors, academia, if all of them start working together and giving it the right attention, this problem can be solved. Vishal Salvi from Infosys, I want to thank you for joining me on the commercial disco today. I hope you have a great stay in Australia and get a break over the summer. Thank you so much, James. And I've just learned one thing that uh, the Australian summer is actually feels more like a winter to me. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's pretty cold in Canberra today. I've got to say, it's very damp down here at the moment too. Very green. So I'm quite enjoying that, I've got to say. Yeah, me too. All right. Have a, uh, have a great day. Thank you. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Commercial Disco Podcast. Please like, subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And please visit our website, innovationoz.com to check out our reporting on tech, innovation and public policy. You can also follow us on social media to ask us any questions or to suggest a guest for the show. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you a great week ahead.